G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This took place around two years ago. I was driving to work, a five-hour drive. It was already dark. About three hours of driving, and I started to get tired. So I bought myself a coffee and some snacks at a gas station, and I went on. But snacks and coffee can only keep you awake for so long, and I started to feel tired again. This part of the road was nothing but thick, dark pinewood forest around me. No other cars on the road. Nothing. Only insects smashing my windshield now and then, and an empty road. I was now extremely tired, and at one point I even nearly drove off the road for almost falling asleep. I thought to myself that I have to sleep now and I can't wait for a gas station. I need to stop as soon as I see a place where I can park my car and just get something. When I'm tired too, I unfortunately fall asleep really fast. If I'm tired enough, I can fall asleep in the middle of a sentence even, when I'm talking. So it's a bit urgent for me to find a place where I can stop now. It felt like maybe an hour, but probably just like five minutes go by and I spot this little pocket in the road. It's like a parking space for quick stops, like peeing, switching drivers, or stuff like that. Not even a real resting area. But I stopped here, turned down my windows to check if I heard any weird noises, and there was total silence. So I wind up my windows again. I thought to myself that nothing bad was going to happen. I haven't seen a car for like 30 minutes, in fact. The road is empty. And if someone is checking out my car, I bet it's the cops checking on me if I'm alright. So, I leave my keys in the ignition and I lock the doors just to be safe. I adjust my seatbelt to make it more comfortable to sleep in and I take off my shoes and I put them on the passenger seat on the right. And let me tell you that it was so nice to close my eyes and instantly I fall asleep. I don't know why, but something wakes me up. I can't really see anything. Some kind of bright light hits me in the eyes. At first I thought that it was a flashlight, but... Then I realized it was the high beams from another car in my rearview mirror that was blinding me. I look at my left mirror and I see a dude walking up beside my car. Maybe he wants help with something? Should I make it clear to him that I'm in here? He's right beside my left back door now. Should I step out and ask what he's doing? I didn't have to in the end because the dude proceeds to jerk and pull on my left back door. I almost crap my pants when I realized that he's trying to force his way into my car. My seat is adjusted for me to lay down and I push it back max. I can't reach the pedals which makes it impossible for me to drive my car. But I slam the car horn and it breaks the silence with a roar and the dude jumps. And that gives me like two seconds to push my seat to reach the pedals. But it's still way out of adjustment so I'm kind of pulling myself to the steering wheel because my seat is laying flat and isn't supporting my back. But anyway, I quickly start my car and I drive off with a cloud of smoke from my screeching tires. It's actually quite surprising just how hard it is driving a car with nothing holding up your upper body, but I managed and I got out of there. As I leave though, I look in the rearview mirror and I see how the dude stands there and just looks at me. 
and then I see two more guys coming up beside him. What I can make out too from the silhouette of their beams was that one of them has something in his hand, like a wrench or a crowbar or something. After that, I drove super fast, way over the speed limit. My whole body was trembling with adrenaline and fear, and I drove like that for like 30 minutes. Then I stopped at the gas station to fix my seat and put my shoes on again. I figured out too that I must have been only sleeping for like 10 minutes max. And well, after that, I didn't have to sleep until I got to my destination, which is surrounded by heavy-duty fencing, and the building has an alarm. I told my boss the next day as well, and he said that they actually have problems with what we call it in Sweden, road pirates. Criminals that force you to stop on the road and rob you of everything, including your car sometimes. And apparently, that specific area is known for it. I'm not saying that it was that. I mean, it could have just been three nice guys that wanted to check if I was okay. But then, why didn't they just knock on my driver's window? The thing in his hand could have just been a big flashlight, I suppose, but still, I think I dodged a bullet with that one. A few months back, I went on a date with a guy who seemed familiar to me, but I just couldn't put my finger on where I'd seen him before. I assumed that I might have met him on a night out or something. It was a last minute thing though and I told him how I wasn't looking for anything but it would be nice to hang out and that was a mistake. When I met him at first he seemed like an alright guy but things quickly turned when we got to a restaurant. He didn't order but I did and he started saying things about loving my curves and my body. I laughed it off but I thought that he was being a bit too forward. He could have put it nicely or kept that to himself. While having my food, he began telling me about how I was different from other girls because they don't give nice guys like him a chance. Red flags were immediately going off, so I came up with a story that I could only be out for a little bit because my parents wanted me to dog sit and stuff like that. He bought it, but then proceeded to stare at my breasts and say things about how he wished he could see me without clothes on, even saying that I should send him a picture. I told him that I don't do that and that he was making me uncomfortable. He stopped, but then told me how he brought me a gift. He pulled out of his bag a bouquet of roses, which I did think was actually quite sweet, and a bag of Tesco prawns. That confused me, and honestly, I just kind of burst out laughing. I asked why he got them, and he said that he knew that I liked tempura and prawns. But the thing is, is that I never once told him that I did, so alarm bells were definitely going off again. My head was now telling me to run, but I didn't want to be rude, so I stayed until the time that I said I would, and after that I left. So, I had less than an hour left. He kept talking too, but he actually started to scare me because he started guessing aspects of my life, like uncannily, like the school that I went to, what I was like as a kid, what I'm currently doing. He just got every part right. It scared me because, well, I haven't told him any of this and I haven't posted any of this online. So I backed away and asked him how he knew all of that. And it turns out that his mother was actually one of my teachers in school and he asked her everything that she knew about me and looked online for anything about me currently. I don't know when he asked her, but at this point, I definitely wanted to get out of there. 
and thank God for my mum. Not long after, I got a text from my mum asking how things were. He didn't see the text but saw that it was my mum and I just said, Oh my goodness, my mum and dad got the times wrong for the pictures so I have to go home now for my dog. I'm so sorry. The guy just accepted that and then started to walk me home. I said something about only going about halfway because I'm not comfortable with people knowing where I stay. But he then started insisting. And he then dropped the bombshell that he knew that I stayed on X road but didn't know which house was mine. I told him that that was really weird and that it creeped me out that he knew that. He claimed that I told him but I never tell people that. So I started to walk to the main road for my own safety but he then grabbed my hand and said that he knew a shortcut. I was getting really scared when he stopped and shoved his tongue down my throat I shoved him away and told him to stop it and he apologized. That's when I noticed a stranger walking a dog coming so I used that as an opportunity and said that I needed to go and I went to the main road. I thought that I was safe honestly but I wasn't. The guy kept walking with me and I stopped and told him that I wanted to part ways here and how it was nice to meet him again. He then looked confused and said that we had never met. He said something about meeting on a night out just to get me to come with him and I then began saying, look, I have to go. When he cut me off, grabbed me and pulled me near some bushes saying, before you go, there's one more thing. I told him that I needed to go and to let go of me but he just ignored me. The guy then pulled me in, hurting my wrists and kissed me again. He saw the bushes and said about having privacy and I managed to shove him off and tell him no. He then grabbed me again and tried to take me to the bushes saying it'll only take a second while I resisted. Some dog walkers came by and he stopped and pulled me to kiss me again but this time he grabbed my breast and I shoved and screamed. I said no and just ran. My heart was racing and I was terrified. I thought that he might have tried to do something to me. I kept looking back but he was nowhere to be seen. I ended up taking the long way home just in case that night. And when I got in, I just started to cry because I thought something bad was going to happen to me when I got a message from another account because it was him. He said about how lovely it was meeting me and how it was the best date ever, how I was the prettiest girl that he'd ever kissed and that he would love to see me again, adding how he hoped that I had a lovely time too and that he showed that he was a gentleman, then adding that he was now on my road. I just hid on the floor for the rest of the day after that and when I looked at his profile I actually remembered where I'd seen him before at that moment. He used to message my old Facebook account years ago with weird messages and creepy edits saying how he liked me. This whole event happened within an hour and a half but boy did it feel a lot longer than that. I was vacuuming my house at 9.30pm with my music playing when I get a knock on my door. My boyfriend was at work and I was not expecting company, especially so late at night. So I turn my music down and realize that the door is actually not locked. Instantly, I'm terrified. I mean, I'm only 4'10", so I had to prop myself up to the wall to look through the peephole and I carefully locked the door more pounding and the man outside my door is no one that I recognize and looks kind of disgruntled, dirty and quite frightening. 
He was short and stocky and looked angry. He grew frustrated knowing that I'd just turned my music down. He heard me lock the door and started calling out, Ma'am, more knocking, excuse me ma'am. But how did he know that I was a woman? I looked around the room and see my blinds were open and realized that he must have been watching me vacuum. Thankfully, my neighbors right across from me opened their doors and the husband asked, Hey, excuse me, who are you and what are you doing? Startled now, the creep fumbles and says, Oh, good evening, sir. I was just going to offer my carpet cleaning services to her. The husband goes, That's great, buddy. She doesn't want it. You need to leave, right now. And the creep left promptly. Afterwards, I called the police, my boyfriend, and closed up my blinds and texted the neighbors to thank them for scaring him away. I paid extra to live on the top floor as well, but it seems that this creep must have been watching me from below. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This story takes place during my senior year of high school when I still lived at home with my mum. It was a Saturday, so I slept in as any teenager does. And my mum, she left for work early that morning, so I spent my day at home alone. I decided to do some cleaning around the house when I realized that we were out of paper towels, so I went down to the garage to get them. That's where we kept extra things. My mum lives in a three-story townhouse where the main floor is actually on the second floor, and the first floor is just a, a small entryway at the bottom of the stairs and two doors. One of them is the front door and the other leads to the garage. So I walked down the stairs and opened the door to the garage, going to flip on the lights, but realizing that I didn't need to because the garage door was wide open and letting in a lot of daylight. Now, maybe to some this would be no big deal, but my mum lives in a not great part of town and is adamant about closing the garage door when she leaves. I remember feeling weird too about it since it was so unusual, but chalked it up to my mum just not realising it or maybe something had rolled under the door so the automatic sensor kept it from closing completely and she drove away without realising I looked over into the dark corner of the garage where the boxes were stacked and the paper towels were stored. For some reason, I couldn't get myself to walk over there and grab them. I do have a slight fear of the dark, so I figured that that was what was causing my sudden hesitation. So I just kind of stood there in the doorway and pressed the garage door button on the wall and watched it close completely. I made sure nothing blocked it from closing and I waited a good 10 seconds before leaving to make sure that it was really shut this time. I switched off the light, walked back inside and locked the garage door. I took maybe two steps up the stairs before 
I heard boxes trembling and scuffling of feet and the audible sound of someone hitting their hand against the garage door opener and then the mechanical sound of the garage door opening. And at that, I noped it up the rest of the flight of stairs and just stood at the top step for probably 20 minutes just kind of shaking. It wasn't until my mum got home asking me why the garage door was open that I went back down there. And other than my mum's car now in the garage, it was completely empty, except for the boxes in the corner where we store extra things for the house. I looked and saw that the boxes were toppled over. I had to explain to my mum the situation and I'm so glad that my gut told me not to go into that dark corner of my garage and to whoever decided to creep in there, please never come back. When I was 13, I had not long broken up with this girl who supposedly had a psycho family. One of this girl's family was a close friend who was supposedly obsessed with her. I was invited out with my friends after school one day and this boy latched on. Everybody told me to come out and that he wanted to make amends and he understood why I did what I did, etc, etc. Being the pushover that I am, I went out and we hung out in the parks and smoked and drank and whatnot. As it started to get dark, I decided to go home and I felt uneasy about being around him and he started acting all weird, talking about fights that he'd been in and bragging about bashing some guy's face in with his fists in school. And so, because I didn't feel safe whatsoever, I just left. Now, the next day, my best friend and all the other kids that were out that night came into school and told me that it got worse after I left. Apparently, after they had drunk some more, he started waving this huge kitchen knife around. It was telling everybody how he was going to stab me in the stomach for breaking that girl's heart. Now, let me point out too that I only know the details of this because I have a relative in the local police force. In the end, my dad made us move too because he actually knew where I lived. I continued getting death threats on social media though until about a year or two later when it was in the paper and was spread around town that... He had broken into somebody's house and stabbed a man to death and then slid his wrists in the man's bathtub. They found high amounts of cocaine and cannabis in his system, along with a, a lot of alcohol. The elderly neighbors phoned the police when they heard some commotion and they hadn't seen the man leave for work that day. And they found him barely conscious and he's now in a psych ward. This was also supposedly over this girl again. Anyway... I think that I dodged a big bullet there. I have a handful of little encounters that I just can't explain, starting from when I was around seven. So, the earliest one I can remember is waking up in the middle of the night and seeing a rapidly fading hand on my shoulder. I remember feeling something heavy on my shoulder and when I turned around I saw the faint image of a hand resting on my shoulder as though someone was actually standing behind me even though I was laying on my back. I turned my bedside lamp on and I sat up staring around my room for a long time before eventually just falling asleep with the light on. The next one was uh, about a year or so later I think, maybe more I can't be sure but I was lying in bed trying to sleep and... I remember feeling something tugging at my blanket from the foot of my bed. It was hard enough too that I kept sitting up and turning my lamp on to see if anyone was there. I even looked under my bed at one point. 
After I'd sat up for about half an hour staring at the end of my bed, I laid back down and as soon as I did, as I turned the light off, I felt the tug again. I woke my dad up and he slept in my bed that night while I slept next to my mum and he said that he slept fine. The next one nothing physically happened but for some reason I just couldn't shake the feeling like I felt like someone was in my room. The room just seemed small and dense and crowded even though I was the only one in it. It bothered me enough too that I told my mum and she smudged my room and sat with me for a while. The next was uh, about a week after that. It was a warm night so I had my window open and I woke up and there were just a lot of flies in my room so I got up and closed my window and when I sat back on my bed the window was a little bit open again. I stared at it in case it moved again and it actually started to move open again on its own. It moved up another inch or so by itself and at that point I ran out of my room and slept next to my parents. After that one too, things started to pick up a little. I had a big plush wolf that my brother actually wanted a fair at one point and it sat in my room against the wall farthest from my bed, a good six feet or so away. I woke up one morning at dawn and the wolf was now at the foot of my bed. When I was laying down too, I could just see its beady little eyes poking over the top of the quilt and I still don't know how it moved across my room like that but... It scared me so bad that my mum gave it to Goodwill that afternoon because she just refused to have it in the house. Another time too, I was sleeping on the couch in the living room while my mum was busy with something. I slept there for three days and every night I would feel someone walking past me. I pretended to be asleep but I narrowly opened my eyes and could never see anyone, even though I'm sure that I could feel someone there. One night, the video recorder kept turning on by itself too and I'd turn it back off and it would turn back on again. But the last thing I encountered was another sleep one and it was when I was about 19. I still remember the dream too because I was walking home from my elementary school and was being followed by someone but they were always just too far away to make out any features. I made it back to my house and nobody was home in my dream, I lay down on the couch and then the whole house was just engulfed in flames and the guy who followed me home was standing in the fire. I woke up really abruptly to this and I saw the head and shoulders of a, an oldish man standing over my bed. It took maybe 15 seconds or so before it faded, but it was vivid enough that I actually said, who's there, out loud. I know that it wasn't sleep paralysis too because I could definitely move. Nothing ever happened after that and I've moved out now. A few years after I moved out though, they pulled up the carpet in my brother's room and found what looked like the ruins of a wine cellar under a trapdoor in the floor. But it had a little box of curious things from the 50s and the 60s in it and some scraps of comic strips like it was used as a, a cubby at some point. Anyway, I never found any more information on it but I'll never forget those nights that I was living there. So this happened when I was in high school several decades ago. At the time I had zero interest in anything paranormal. I was heavy into science and all things logical really. And anyway, in the 11th grade I switched high schools to one closer to home. On the second or third day there a student walked up to me that I didn't know and introduced himself. I was new and he was cool to me so we made friends right away. 
So we started hanging out, me and his other friend, who was also a nice guy. We were kids just doing normal teenager stuff, but one evening while hanging out at my friend's house and listening to some music, he told me that he knew that I was coming to their school. Intrigued, I asked how he knew that, and he said that their Ouija board told them that I was coming. I asked how long ago I told them that, and even though I don't remember his exact reply, I remember that it was longer than even I knew that I was going to change schools, which was odd. But naturally, I'm in complete disbelief about any of this Ouija board nonsense, and even told him that. So, him and his friend pulled it out and started using it in front of me. Now, understand that they're sitting on this bed using it, I'm on the other side of the room sitting down, and he asks me to ask it something. So determined to show them just how silly this Ouija board nonsense was, I began asking it questions that these two would absolutely have no way of knowing. They were deeply specific things about my family, dates, names, places, etc. This was before the internet as well and these were just normal teenagers like myself so I know that they didn't know this information. Since I wasn't even close to it and they were the ones touching it, I thought that I would totally trip it up. But, to my astonishment, it actually answered every single question that I posed to it with 100% accuracy. Which, let me tell you, was absolutely impossible. My friends kept looking up at me when it would answer to gauge my reaction, and I remember getting goosebumps just all over my body. I couldn't believe that this was actually happening, but somehow, there was something behind that device that knew just all that stuff about me. To this day, I still wonder about it and what it was, how it knew, especially how it knew that I would change schools before even I did. To this day, I still won't allow one in my house. I don't know what force is behind them, but I think it's for the best to just leave them alone. This happened about a week ago. I was going to a gothic fair in a place that I didn't really know well, but it was in my city, so I thought that I was going to be okay. Now, for context, yes, I'm a 20-year-old woman walking alone. Sounds like an easy target, I know, but this happened at 4pm in the middle of summer. It was broad daylight, and even though it wasn't crowded, there were definitely people around. So I got out of the subway and I started checking my phone for directions but I quickly put it away in my bag so I don't look distracted or get it taken from my hands and stuff. I had actually had a phone stolen that way before. I started walking while checking the street names and numbers when a couple, and they must have been around 35 years old, approached me and asked for directions. I told them that I was lost too and they said that they weren't from here either and asked where I lived. I'm not stupid, so I gave them some sort of a vague answer and then I left. But two minutes after that, they approached me again and told me where the fair that I was going to was located and I said thanks and I started walking that way. As I walked, they followed me and tried to start a conversation. I tried to walk faster and leave them behind because I don't trust strangers, but they just kept going with me. At some point too, the conversation... It was only the man talking to me, shifted to jobs and occupations, and the man said, I do have a job, but most of the time it isn't enough, so I have to do what I do. Usually I'm not violent, but I have a gun to use with dumb people who scream or make a scene. And then said, 
Now show me if you value more your life or material things. He obviously expected me to hand my bag over, but and I know that this is going to sound so edgy, but I'm deeply depressed and my train of thought went straight to I either hand over my hard worked for money that I was excited to spend in nice things today, or I finally die. I acted calm, although my heart was beating fast and I was sweating. I didn't scream, I didn't hand over my stuff either. And instead, I just took my bottle of water and took a sip, and then I just kept walking, thinking that it wouldn't be all too bad to get shot and die there. And they just kind of stood there, confused, and after a while, they left. In the end, too, I ended up going to the fair, and I had a nice time. I used to live in the southwest corner of Missouri in an old railroad town that had quite a few missing people here and there, mostly due to a high tweaker population. I lived in what we called a holler at the bottom of the tops of two enormous hills. A creek also ran through the holler but was mostly dry throughout the year. Despite it being dry though, living in what was basically a ravine makes the land and the hills damp and also misty which meant that the woods surrounding our trailer were perpetually green year-round and also thick. You could walk in one direction for 10 minutes and get lost pretty easily. Generally speaking, we kids used the creek bed for a path, as there were flat rocks along it that were easier to navigate than the viney lush forest floor. Now one day in the middle of summer, I decided to go for a walk in the woods. As usual, our red-nosed pit bull, Fatty, came along, and the sun would be setting soon, but I was home alone a lot of that time, so there was no one around to tell me not to go. I figured that I had enough time before sunset to walk a certain point and back. It was 7.30, and the sun set around 9 at that point in the summer. But the minute that I started tracking it throughout the creek bed, my pit bull started whining really weirdly. He didn't leave my side once, but was definitely reluctant to follow, stopping here and there to smell the air, looking behind us, and I figured that maybe there was an animal in the area, so I didn't worry too much. There was a point in the creek bed, though, that I had to duck under two fallen trees. It made a sort of bridge in the middle of the creek and acted as a turnaround point for most of my walks. My dog was still whining and I began to wonder if there was a cougar or even a bear in the area, but for some reason I wanted to just keep walking. I ducked under the trees, shushed Fatty, and stopped to listen to the woods surrounding us. I heard nothing. I mean, I heard literally nothing. No wind, no snapping twigs, not even any birds, which was kind of weird. Even on calm days with no wind, those woods were usually teeming with sounds of life. And I mean, nothing was ever still, but all of a sudden, now it was. It also made my stomach feel like I was dropping down into a pit. Then, I began to feel really weird. I can't really describe it, but it was kind of a gut feeling. When suddenly, my body felt very queasy and oversensitive. And worse, I had the distinct feeling that now, I was being watched. I have felt similar feelings when being watched by a bear at some point and it's always really weird but something just tells you to get the hell out of Dodge when there's a huge animal nearby. Humans are animals after all and we also get those instincts and every time that I'd experienced an animal that could potentially hurt me in the woods I'd immediately turned around and gone home. 
My dog had always alerted me by barking or growling, but for some reason, not this time. Instead, Fatty was scared and trembling. Now, I'd seen this dog get hit by a truck before and get up like nothing had happened, and this time, he was terrified. All signs were pointing to leaving, right? But no, another weird thing happened. Call it uh, an edgy teenager or anything you want, but I felt this strange pull into the woods. There was no sound, but I felt like something was calling me, luring me deeper into the woods. It was the worst part of that day and also the creepiest thing that I'd ever felt. But I was also curious, so I wanted to know what the hell wanted me to wander further ahead. I walked forward, aware that my dog had firmly planted himself at the fallen trees. He was shaking all over and yelped at me as I walked away, but he didn't come with me. He also didn't leave, which I believe potentially saved my ass that day. But I left Fatty behind and eventually got to the part of the creek that I'd never been to. It was a clearing with a ring of trees surrounding it, with the creek stretching far ahead and going around an unseen corner. The sun hadn't moved and it was still silent. I stood in place for maybe a minute, I think, and considered turning around. The clearing was creepy and felt kind of devoid of everything. I can't really explain it well enough, but I felt like if I walked around that corner, which was about 100 feet away, that something terrible was about to happen. It felt like something was just waiting for me to walk into it, unsuspecting. In the end, I brushed it off as paranoia. I mean, I had plenty of sunlight left and I could explore alone for once. And besides, if something was drawing me further in, then it's also possible that I might find something amazing. So I took a couple of more steps and suddenly I heard my dog yelping frantically behind me. Startled, I turned around quickly, my dog looking like a little white speck far back into the trees. He was pacing back and forth at his spot and barking like it was going to kill him if he didn't take off running. He kept lunging forward but wouldn't move any distance forward. That was when I realized that something was just very wrong. I turned around again to look back at the clearing and all of a sudden it was pitch black outside. Like seconds ago the sun wasn't even close to going down below the horizon and all of a sudden... Now the stars were out. No sun, no light. I stared hard at the trees around the corner, seeing nothing but elongated shadows. I heard a twig snap when all of a sudden my ears just started to ring, and panic flooded my entire body. I whipped around and shot back towards the fallen trees, sprinting towards my dog. He was snarling and barking like mad, and when I ducked under the trees, both of us sprinted back towards the house. The entire time I honestly felt like death was on my heels and Fatty never once ran ahead of me, staying right at my side the entire way back. When we eventually made it back home, I quickly checked the clock and during the walk that usually took about eh, 10 minutes I would say, I had been gone for 3 hours. I had left my home at 7.30 and now it was 10.30, which meant that my parents were due home in an hour. The next day, I walked only partway back to where I could see the clearing. The very farthest that I could walk was about two miles, and so that meant that it took me three hours to walk there and back. 
To this day, I have never felt so proud upon in the woods as well. These woods weren't part of a national park or anything, but if you walked about 10 miles or so, you could reach Mark Twain National Park. And people go missing there quite often, seeing as the woods can be impossible to navigate after dark, and it has large hollows in the middle of the woods that people go rolling into and they get stuck as well. I don't know what wanted me in that woods that day. I didn't see what it was and it didn't say anything, but I ignored every natural instinct that I had to run until it was almost too late. My dog being there may have just been the reason too that I didn't wander deeper into the woods of the Missouri and succumb to someone or something in that dark place. I've never told anyone in my walking life about this and what do you guys think? Have any of you guys heard of the 411 cases involving Missouri woods and hollers and whatnot? Or do any of you guys have any similar experiences if you're from this area? This happened a couple of months ago now, but when it first happened, given how crazy it was, it took me a few weeks to kind of collect myself enough to share this. It's also relevant for me to tell you up front that I'm a military veteran and I have PTSD and anxiety, as well as a pretty bad case of depression that I'm currently in my third year of. I've read that CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy can massively improve PTSD symptoms and in turn help to reduce anxiety so I've been trying various techniques at home. The problem there is is that my wife and I live in a small two-bedroom grand floor flat with an upstairs neighbor with absolutely no concept of other people. A jock douchebag type who's a personal trainer but he trains at home to COS and gains and whatnot. The kind of guy whose only two topics of conversation are protein powder and steamed rice. And I'm sure that you can imagine the type. Anyway, but with that being a constant issue, meditation and quiet mindfulness are just not possible with the constant noise. My solution to this was to just do my normal routine during the day, but take advantage of my insomnia later on at around eh, 12 o'clock at night I suppose, and I would put on my coat and my shoes and as we live near the beach... I figured that I could walk to the beach now that it's pretty much no people around, walk on the sand and just be mindful to the sounds of the ocean. Sounds nice, doesn't it? It was the first two times, but you know what they say, the third time, it's a charm. So the walk to the beach from my home isn't that far, maybe a little over half a mile, but once I got there I would walk to the very end of the beach until you reach the cliffs where there's a World War II artillery gun turret, which was another half mile-ish. Sometimes I would walk the path up the cliff to the gun and stare out into the blackness of the midnight ocean, which was only broken by the occasional flash of light from the lighthouse. I would sit and listen to the waves crashing against the cliffs. Sometimes I would use my eyes and just concentrate on nothing but that sound. I felt safe there, knowing that I was alone. It was just me and the ocean. Usually before I would turn tail and head home, I would walk down to a small row of benches. They're all marked with plaques in remembrance of someone who also came and enjoyed the view, although I imagine that they came during the day. The benches though were close to an old pub that was shut down years ago, and I heard that the place used to get used as a dogging site or a brothel or something back in the day. So when I saw vehicle headlights coming towards the pub... I figured that it was some young lads trying to catch potential doggers at it. 
I sat at the bench and waited for the car to pass me, but as it rendered a bend in the road further up, I was momentarily lit up by the headlamps. The headlights of the vehicle went off immediately and the car went off-road and out of sight for a moment. At this point, I was fully alert and a bit cautious, so I dropped to one knee and ducked behind the bench that I was sitting on. The vehicle drove past me and it was only maybe 40 feet away from me, and as the lighthouse illuminated the vehicle, I could now see that it was an old beat-up Land Rover kind of vehicle with shitty camo paint on the wings. At that moment too, somebody popped out of the top of the vehicle with a scoped rifle and a big torch. In that instant, in my head, I was back in Iraq and my senses felt razor sharp. I dropped onto my belt buckle and I crawled onto a patch of long grass adjacent to the benches. Then, I got in a position where I could see them, but they couldn't see me. The guy with the rifle shone his torch at the exact bench that I'd been sitting on, then the others searching for me. He started looking all around him through the scope, looking for where I might have gone. My heart was pounding so hard that I felt as if I could hear it. I held my sleeve over my mouth to muffle the sound of my breathing, but more importantly, to try and hide the condensation of my breath. The vehicle started to move to get a better view of the benches, so I started slowly crawling towards the main road, as not only is there a row of houses, but an old stone bus stop that I could take cover in if they saw me and opened fire. After about five minutes of hiding in the long grass though, it started to rain and they were all clearly looking for me but were now about 150 feet away. The guy with the vehicle was scanning around with his eye down the scope so I waited until he was looking away from me to seize my moment and run for cover. I pushed my hands hard into the wet dirt to launch myself onto my feet and then I sprinted towards the bus stop while throwing some zigzags in there just in case they actually had seen me. Luckily, they hadn't and I was now far enough away that I could take out my phone and call the police. They were there with a riot van and a squad car in about 10 minutes and as I was talking to the officers in the van, they spotted the gunner's vehicle and took off after them. The officers in the squad car stayed behind to talk to me. The rain was coming down like sheets now and they asked me if I was absolutely sure that it was a rifle and I told them yes, that it was 100% a rifle. There was no doubt in my mind at all, but the officers looked at each other and then one of them asked, and what exactly is your experience with firearms? I told them that I was an ex-army and have seen my fair share of all kinds of firearms. They then asked me what I was doing there after midnight, which is a pretty fair question to be honest. I explained that, quite ironically, I was taking a mindfulness walk to ease my PTSD symptoms. They were satisfied with that explanation too, if not somewhat amused, and told me that the armed response unit was now en route. I asked if they needed me to stay behind and make a statement, but the officers told me not to bother waiting around because, well, they most likely wouldn't need to take a statement beyond the call that I made, and also, it was pissing down with rain, so I should get home and get dry. It was over, but I still felt super wired and my heart was still thumping hard in my chest. I started the walk home and when I was about halfway there, a police helicopter buzzed overhead and settled over the area where I had been sitting on the benches with the searchlight going. And it was right then that it hit me like a shotgun to the chest. But that happened. That was real and it was here. What the hell? My head started swimming and my heart was pounding twice as hard now and my legs felt like jelly and my lungs felt glitchy and I just couldn't breathe properly. 
I dropped to my knees, crying in the street in the pouring rain, the only light coming from a nearby street lamp with a flickering bulb. I was gasping for breath, thoughts flashing in my head, thinking that if I had stayed still, if I hadn't hunched behind the bench, if I'd done any number of things differently, or hadn't, then I could have gurgled my last breath alone in the dark in the cold wet dirt, and my wife would be none the wiser till the following day. I have no idea if they were even there for me, and if they were, how could they know that I'd be there? I'd been twice before, I suppose. It's not like there's animals to hunt there beyond foxes, but why hunt foxes from a vehicle with a rifle and a torch at midnight? Anyway, I'm not ashamed to say that that experience, it terrified me. I guess my army training helped me to stay alert and stay hidden, but I don't really know. I don't go walking at night anymore and I have the occasional nightmare about the whole thing. But the next day I made a call to the local police to try and get an update on what happened. After a quick description of what the initial incident was, the officer on the phone, I assume that she was an officer anyway, was able to find the incident report right away. Basically, the first officers on the scene confirmed that they had seen the vehicle and they'd gone off-road in pursuit. They said that they'd given chase over difficult terrain for as long as they were able to anyway. The vehicle then turned off all lights and made an escape using the darkest cover. The armed response units were called as a precaution and patrolled the entire area while the helicopter was dispatched in order to try and locate the vehicle with heat cameras. Both teams were unsuccessful in finding them, as by the time that they'd arrived on scene, they'd gotten away. CCTV was also checked but yielded absolutely nothing. I told her that I was sorry if they felt that I had wasted their time and that I guess I'd overreacted on the account of my PTSD. She told me that as far as they're concerned though, I did the right thing. She also said that there have been a few isolated accounts of gunshots having been heard in that area over the last few years, so to maybe rethink taking my walk so late at night. I didn't have the energy to explain again why I used to wait until it was so late to go walking, but... Any advice about avoiding getting shot is good advice in my books. So, instead, I just agreed with her and ended the call. After I'd hung up, though, I just kind of sat there for a few minutes, going over the whole thing in my head. It was most likely nothing when all was said and done. Just wrong place, wrong time, I suppose. But if nothing else, it's taught me that being hypervigilant isn't always such a bad thing. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.